0: Hello oh, and good morning. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of October, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. In fact, I've just learned a thing. It turns out that if you Google Autonomous Cars podcast or Autonomous Vehicles podcast, something like that, uh, it turns out that Well, Autonomous Cars of Mark Hogue is now number one in Google search results. So that's pretty awesome, and I'm pretty thrilled indeed. So frankly, a huge thanks to all of you for making this happen. Today, autonomous vehicles to start replacing London's beloved cabbies by 2021. Lyft gets autonomous. And, well, we have another nugget of information on Apple. All this, right now. But first... It's time to do a quick recap on last Friday's Friday Poll Day. So if you remember, uh, the question last Friday was, if you own or plan to get a Tesla, how much of your decision was or is due to autopilot? The answers were A, 100% because of autopilot, B, 50% autopilot, 50% EV range, uh, or C, don't even want autopilot or don't like Autopilot in the first place, so not at all related to Autopilot. Uh, anyway, the results are, if I'm honest, perhaps not too unsurprising, I suppose. Um, but head on over to Autonomous Hoag on Twitter. Be sure to follow it so you can always partake in all future upcoming Friday Poll Days on Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. So just real quick before we kick things off, you may have noticed yesterday Elon Musk tweeted a thing, because you know he doesn't do that very often, uh, announcing the gradual rollout this week of Autopilot version 9.0. Um, so, you know, I just uh, thought I'd let uh, Elon and everybody else at Tesla know that surely you're looking for some test drivers to give some reviews uh, of Autopilot 9.0. And, um, you know, just wanted to let you know that I'm more than happy to risk my life and put myself out there uh, inside of one of your cars to do a nice, thorough, proper test drive and review just out of the kindness and generosity of my heart. So, as I tweeted yesterday, Elon Musk. And Tesla, I host the world's only twice-weekly podcast on autonomous vehicles in the world. Uh, I'd very much welcome an invite to test-drive autopilot V9.0 if you'd like. Thanks, exclamation point. So, to Elon and everybody else at Tesla, if you're listening, okay, you're probably admittedly not listening, but to everyone else who is listening, by all means, please, uh, if you'd be so kind, go ahead and share this immensely magnanimous offer on my part with Elon and the rest of the crew at Tesla I'm more than happy to test drive and validate and indeed review Autopilot 9.0. beloved London cabbie may very well be an endangered species pretty soon. So it turns out that taxi alternative company Addison Lee, um, well, they're planning to roll out fully autonomous taxis throughout London starting in 2021. That is astonishingly, as a reminder, just three years away. Um, turns out they're working with a company called Oxbotica. Uh, it's a company that specializes in self-driving software and the idea is that they're going to uh launch these vehicles in london um the process is going to be to first of all of course create maps of london in great detail obviously um and then um, they're also going to include sort of metadata such as road signs traffic lights etc um so the idea is that these should start to roll out as i say in about three years um Much to the chagrin of not just the cabbies themselves, but I have to say, and I realize I'm sort of putting my foot in my mouth here as one who's always been such a huge proponent of rolling out autonomous vehicles generally, but yeah, to the chagrin of me as well, I am hugely enamored with London cabbies, as I'm sure all of you who've been to London are as well. I mean, these guys... And ladies are genuinely incredible people. I mean, I don't know if you've actually given it any thoughts, or if you have, whether you've gone the next step and actually done the Googling. But it turns out that to become a London cabbie is an absolutely incredibly rigorous thing indeed. You've got to do years and years of study and research. Um, just in order to finally sit for the test and then actually become a cabbie. And for those of you, say, here in the U.S., um, especially looking at San Francisco cab drivers, uh, New York cab drivers seem to be rather a bit more familiar with their local neighborhoods. Um, well, it, it's a really big deal what these London cabbies do because they actually have to memorize every single street, every single route from A to B possible. Um, they're not allowed to use GPS, or at least they don't use it anyway. And really what they do is nothing short of astonishing, frankly. In fact, I think there've been some studies, MRIs done, CAT scans on the brain. They actually have differently formed portions of the brain. Uh, I mean, these th- these folks are genuinely impressive what they can do. So, And of course, they just make for some wonderfully idle chit-chat during the drive. I mean, it's just so much fun, not to mention the vehicles themselves, just really, really great things, lots of room, real spacious, comfortable. Um, yeah, so so I'm, uh, Huh. on the one hand, I'm obviously thrilled, okay, obviously pushing forward more autonomy, that's great. But yeah, I have to say, obviously, there's the human element. Uh, you know, the idea of being in London and not having the traditional, you know, black cab car with a London cabbie to drive you around and give you a bit of a tour as he drives you along as a visitor or just, uh, striking up idle chit chat about who knows what, that's going to be a sad thing to lose. Honestly. I mean, I'll put it this way. London's the only place where I absolutely do not use Ubers. That's not true. I also tend not to use Ubers in New York because taxis are everywhere and they're actually quite good, I think anyway. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I I just you know this is this is progress I guess. I mean I do vaguely recall in uh, here in San Francisco for instance though people were also similarly a bit disappointed when the human toll operators for the Golden Gate Bridge were eventually removed and fast track uh you know transponders were uh you know replaced the humans. And there was a bit of disappointment though it's sort of nice to interact with these humans every morning going into the city. Yeah, but that the, That's a bit different. That's sort of like, hi, good morning, and that's it. London cabbie, you've got 30, 40, 50 minutes uh, to have a full-on conversation. So to lose that, I don't know, it's kind of a sad thing. Necessary, I suppose, but sad indeed. Putting that aside, though, there's a very big real issue of what to do with the cabbies, because it's the same sort of thing as here in the States. We're going to lose commercial truck drivers, and of course taxi drivers, yeah, but uh, the biggest employers here in the States, obviously the truck drivers, what are you going to do? I mean, I remember the last time I was in London meeting someone who couldn't have been much more than his mid-20s preparing for the uh, the big exam to become a full-time cabbie in London. And, you know, at that age, he, he could potentially be out of a job within, I don't know, 10 years. So it's it's uh, it it's a very serious problem and it's a very concerning thing. So I would really like to discover some more research done on how best to kind of mitigate the severe harm and social loss due to some, such such a huge and obvious looming unemployment um, due to autonomous vehicles displacing human operators. So um, we'll come back and have more on this when we get it. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that if you enjoy this podcast and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave your five-star rating and preferably a written review. I absolutely depend on these reviews, not only to help spread the word about the podcast, but of course, also to improve the podcast. So thank you to all of you who have already left such stellar feedback. Really, it means the world to me. Thank you so much indeed. Uber's archrival Lyft has just made an exciting announcement. They've just completed the acquisition of London-based Blue Vision Labs. The deal is worth around $72 million, with a further $30 million based on hitting certain milestones. Lyft is making huge progress in the autonomous driving space. First of all, they're working with Ford. They've got the Ford Fusion Hybrid that's going to be their platform for developing their first Level 5 fully autonomous car. Again, Level 5 means you can get in the car, close your eyes, go to sleep and it'll get you from A to B with no problems. In fact, Level 5 cars won't have steering wheels, uh, gas pedals, brake pedals and so on. The acquisition of Blue Vision Labs is a big deal precisely because of the technology they developed. So it turns out that well, what they realized at Blue Vision Labs was you've got all these drivers for Lyft, for Uber, for for any of the car-sharing programs. They're driving around cities, and they've all got a smartphone up on their dashboard. This then affords a really nice, unobstructed view through the windshield from these smartphones' cameras. So what Blue Vision have figured out how to do is that they have essentially been crowdsourcing the video feed from all these drivers' smartphones to create street-level imagery, Uh, and mapping data generally. And I say mapping data generally in the broadest sense of the word, meaning this isn't just sort of, this is the street and that's that street, but rather here's a street with lane markings that look like this, here's the street signs, here's the stoplights. So really, really high level detail. And I'm guessing, although it's not explicitly made clear, I'm guessing there's gonna be a lot of uh, computer learning in there too, so that not only uh, are the cameras able to recognize geometric shapes and things like streets, Lane markings, signs, and street lights, but also, in fact, to recognize building names and signage, right? So, there's a lot of really great detail that can go into all this. So, the idea is then that by pulling in Blue Vision's technology into Lyft, they're going to have a really powerful way to kind of rapidly ramp up and crowdsource this kind of mapping data. So, uh, in effect, literally every single car with a smartphone on board would be a camera essentially capturing. The world around it so this is this is really big big thing here and uh, what lyft are doing is is pretty remarkable so i'll have some more information on this as it comes my way but suffice to say i think lyft has just taken a tremendous leap ahead of the competition uh that said watch in a couple of days time we're going to hear some breaking news from uber something along the same i'm sure but until that happens lyft you've taken the lead Hey, don't forget, there's still time to register for tomorrow's webinar, Responsible Investing 2.0, the next 20 years in 45 minutes. I'll be joining a panel of industry experts as we discuss innovative trends and how they may impact the future of responsible investing as it relates to cybersecurity, gender diversity, self-driving and electric cars, robotics and automation, big data, cloud computing, and social media. This is being hosted by Evolve ETFs and the Responsible Investment Association up in Canada. The website is riaCanada.ca forward slash r i week eighteen. That's r i a c a n a d a dot c a slash r i w e e k 18 So head on over. It's for tomorrow, Wednesday, the twenty fourth of October. the uh, The webinar kicks off at two p.m. Eastern. It runs for one hour. That's eleven a.m. Pacific. Head on over and register. I'll have about 10 minutes on the show, and you should have plenty of time afterwards for some Q&A. Thanks so much. Hope to see you there. So, two bits of Apple news within one week. That's pretty astonishing. Uh, Looks like they've just released another patent. This one is titled simply Peloton. Um, Peloton, of course, is the term derived from bicycle racing, where, well, numerous bikes queue up in a line uh, in an effort to reduce aerodynamic drag. If that sounds familiar, yeah, it's exactly what automobile race car drivers do as well. For example, Formula One, NASCAR, IndyCar, any car traveling over, say, 50 or 60 miles an hour starts to create a bit of an air vacuum behind it as it displaces the air in front of it. If you can just imagine the car kind of punching a hole through the air, yeah, it leaves a bit of a vacuum behind it. Well, if you tuck in behind that car and you kind of take advantage of that Displaced air, well, there's less air in front of you to push aside, and so it requires less energy to maintain your velocity uh, or alternatively to speed up. Um, But it also enables you, therefore, to travel with greater fuel efficiency. So, this is why bicyclists utilize this technique, and it's certainly why uh, automobile race car drivers use this technique. Um, It also allows you, of course, to go much, much faster if you like. Well, if you're wondering what this has to do with Apple and any sort of self-driving car concept, well, it doesn't require too much of a leap to think about this because, obviously, the idea is that when you've got fully autonomous cars and, indeed, fully connected cars, so this means they're fully aware of where each of the other ones are on the road around them, this means, then, that they're going to be able to kind of drive very, very close together, sort of platooning along, as it's more commonly called, um, Keeping the cars close together means they're going to obviously, well, there's going to be a couple benefits, right? First, you're going to be able to cram more cars on any given stretch of road. That's obviously good to help mitigate traffic issues. But more importantly, then you're going to be able to help increase efficiency uh, amongst the cars just by virtue of this sort of aforementioned concept of, well, drafting as it's more commonly called, driving in the sort of air wake behind the car in front of you thing is, though, this patent takes things to a whole new level entirely. So the idea now is that the cars will intelligently kind of queue up one behind the other, or one in front of the other, if you prefer. Um, and they're going to kind of do so based on whatever most makes sense for the car itself, um, insofar as, you know, which car is going to have the most battery charge remaining, or presumably fuel, if it's still running on, on fuel. Um, and the idea is that they're going to not only be able to help cut you know, increase efficiency by cutting aerodynamic drag, but they're also going to be aware of the approximate remaining driving ranges of each vehicle. Why? Because it turns out, well, the patent suggests they may even be able to share energy reserves with each other. So this is pretty amazing. Uh, Somewhat, I think, a bit sort of questionably, the patent describes an actual retractable apparatus that can be used to connect various vehicles allowing them to transfer power to one another uh, as required i think that's a bit silly i think probably they would eventually be able to do this just through inductive charging either by being in extremely close proximity to each other you just put sort of inductive chargers i guess into the front and rear bumpers of each of these cars or perhaps they could even do so through the road surface and tires itself uh, or sorry not tires rather the, the bottom of the car i should say um yeah, but in any event, just, so just kind of picture what this is really saying, right? It's kind of it's kind of remarkable. So it's going to be a system which is going to enable these cars to intelligently queue up one before the other, one behind the other, uh, for purposes of maximizing driving and energy conservation and energy efficiency, but also to allow these cars to then transfer and allocate energy reserves as required. And this, of course, will be determined presumably by the routes that these cars will need to be taking, as well as the destinations they need to reach, how much range they've got remaining compared to how much further they've got to go. And so in this way, then, the idea, of course, is to enable not only higher speeds, but at least, of course, fewer stops in between. So really great for the car, really great for energy savings. Not so good if you want to get on stretch your legs. Nevertheless, this is a pretty remarkable thing. But does it still give any sort of thought to the question of whether Apple's in fact developing a car? Or merely the well, I say merely or, or rather than the entire car are they designing uh, just a hardware and software stack which will then be licensed out to other car manufacturers so yeah, it's an interesting question, and one that we've certainly discussed and asked quite a bit on this show, so you know clearly nobody knows yet um, it's an interesting question, and I really would love to sort of and cast some light on this as soon as possible, and I'm sure all of you would as well. Incidentally, I did receive a tweet from uh, someone. Uh, her name is Emma Martin. Uh, she said, uh well, I'll just read you the tweet. She says, regarding your October 19th, 2018 podcast, I don't think Apple is building a car. I think they're focusing on software. Um, so yeah, well, it looks like I'm not alone there anyway. Uh, if any of you out there listening have any further thoughts, please do what Emma did, send me a tweet or reach out through Marco.com. the contact form right there. Let me know what you think. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget about tomorrow's webinar. Hope to see you there. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Until next time, see you Friday. Take care. Bye-bye.